0: Timmy and Wayne.
1: I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne.
2: And this is Tim.
0: Well, you know, we are social distancing this week due to coronavirus, so uh, we've got... All of us have have moved even further away from each other. But
1: if we're social distancing because of this, what about the rest of our lives up to this point? What was our excuse for that? (laughs) I think that's just because we don't like people in general. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah.
0: Fair. Fair.
3: So, uh, you know, obviously... The coronavirus is uh, impacting the entire world right now, including uh-huh. our, our beloved genres, movies, comics, things like that. I was reading that um, most comic companies have told their folks to work from home. Um, and this week, lots of movie and television delays, uh, you know, things shutting down production. Mission Impossible happened a few weeks ago because they were suppo- they were going to film in Italy. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And Italy is completely shut down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so they were going to film there and that didn't happen.
1: Uh, but even movies that are done are changing their release dates cause they don't think people will show up to the theaters for them and they don't want yeah. people to show up to the you theaters
0: know, for them. I saw that the AMC theater chain it is reducing the number of seats that they're making available in each showing <clears throat> so that they will not sell more than 50% of the available seats to allow people to social distance.
3: Yeah. And you know, the sad thing is people still won't go. I wouldn't. I I would, and don't get me wrong. There are a couple movies out I really want to see. I want to see that new Ben Affleck movie. I want to see the new Pixar movie. I'm not. I'm not going to. Um, You know, obviously, Bloodshot. You know, besides the fact that it was going to bomb anyway, at (laughs) least at least (laughs) now
1: they can blame the virus for their for their uh, crappy box office performance. Yeah, what I've been wondering about is if this goes on long enough, will it push some of the studios to start releasing things to streaming platforms instead of? directly into theaters because the whole going through theaters is so you can get the you know the box office numbers and you can get you know you beat like records and things for that as well as be considered for oscars and you know all of that but in this day and age is that
0: really still necessary as a release platform you think that's where the real money is made for for the big movies like you know the James Bond film, that's where they're gonna make their real money. If you're a smaller film, you know like a, like a like a Kevin Smith film, absolutely. You can make a lot of money on, on DVD and Blu-ray and digital, but uh, yeah, I, I I can't help but notice that you know a lot of folks are pushing back to either late summer or early fall and you know there's only so many so many screens that are available. yeah, you know, so you can't keep doing that. If this thing goes on for for into May, I mean, I think that fucks up a lot of movies. Yeah. Black yeah. Widow, you know, that's certainly going to be, imp-
3: I, I think Black Widow is oh, going to be impacted.
0: Well, and I think Black Widow is going to be shit, so. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, there's a, I got to tell you, one of the things that most disappointed me, not about the virus, but about the delays, um, was uh, A Quiet Place too. You know, that was due to come out yeah. next weekend. I was very did, excited did they for delayed? it. Did get delayed? Yeah, they, it, and it, they have not announced a release date. They just, you know, it's been delayed indefinitely until they can figure out an alternative release date. Uh, Fast, and, Fast and Furious 9 delayed a year, a full year, till next April. Wow. Um But those are movies that rely, at least Fast and Furious, relies heavily on just like James Bond, on an international audience, and right. you just you right. have to, you have to. Yeah. Um, I think Quiet Place. I think it was smart for them to delay. There's no nobody's going to be in a movie theater this coming weekend.
0: Well, but... and Quiet Place is one of those movies that's it's the first week is going to make its box office. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. And so, and now is not the time. No, the one that I was looking
1: forward to that's uh, delayed now is the live action Mulan. Oh yeah, it I've does. never even seen the cartoon version. Oh, I love good. the version. First... Yeah, The, the live looks action, action looks really good. Yeah, you know, The, the animated film is, is wonderful. I love that movie. You know, Wayne, to your point, though, had
3: they said, hey, Quiet Place 2, you know, if you want, we'll figure out some type of digital release platform by which you pay 30 or 40 bucks, I actually probably would have done it. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think this is going to transform our society in a lot of ways to a digital society that... It's been trying to do for a while. You're going to have more companies open to working from home. You're going to have more, you know, companies looking for how do I release in a digital form so people can give me money now.
0: Well, I, you know, I was noticing this week that as you know things started to get locked down, that uh, the streaming services were increasing their advertising. So Disney, Disney Plus advertising has been ubiquitous since launch, but I noticed Hulu. Is really pushing their ads, you know, saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, if you, are you are, are you shut in? We got some shows for you. In fact, they were pushing uh, Homeland and Outlander uh, so much through the through the Hulu service. I thought, are, who, are Homeland and Outlander having a crossover? Is it going to be Homelander? <laughs> Homelander. Well,
3: you know, um, Disney, you know, they, they know kids are going to be home the next few weeks. Yeah. So Disney Plus was supposed to premiere Frozen Two in late June, and they bumped it up. Frozen Two I is available that. right now on Disney Plus, and it only came out a few weeks ago on Blu-ray. And on top of that, um, The Rise of Skywalker was wasn't going to be available until March 31st uh, on digital and Blu-ray, yeah. and you can buy it digitally right now. I saw that as well. Yeah, so... I'm
0: waiting for the uh, for the Blu-ray. But uh, I am too,
3: because I already pre-ordered my Blu-ray and I'm like, ah, but technically I'm not going to be, it's not like I'm going to be sitting in the house doing nothing these next few weeks. I still have to work. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, unless we, unless we overload the, uh, the systems, Paul, you know, you know, one of my coworkers was telling me, you know, her, both of her sons are, uh, uh, out of school. Right. So they've, they've dismissed classes through at least March 31st. So both of her sons are home and they're going to be doing distance learning. Right. Um, and then her, her husband got sent home from work and she already works from home. And so she's like, so I've got four people crowding my internet. <laughs> yeah. She goes, I'm really worried about my ability to pull files. And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. Use your phone for a hotspot. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think and we're definitely going to be testing
3: else. the servers over these next yeah. few weeks, you know, pretty yeah. much everywhere.
1: Um, you know, but As someone who works for a technology company that resells equipment, well, not resells, but sells equipment, we that might make up for some of the losses we're going to have with the other aspects of the business in professional services because nobody wants to bring anyone out for professional services, right And you can't travel right now. yeah, 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 yeah. but you know we, we we're seeing delays
3: uh, just the just in the last forty eight hours. The Batman, Loki, WandaVision, and a number of uh, other, you know, me- pretty much every uh, movie production, TV production has shut down, uh, you know, at least for a few weeks. T- t- because again, you know, it's about social distancing, um, flattening the curve, as they say it, uh, to to kind of slow the-, the expansion of the virus. So I don't know if those will see delays in their release timeframes or if they'll just you know figure out in post-production how to make up for the lost time uh but i think you know it's going to be interesting over these next few months as hollywood tv and all that scramble to uh to make up for for basically the world shutting down over the next few weeks
1: yeah all i gotta say is if i catch this thing it better be in like five or six weeks after my rib is healed because uh (laughs) coughing hurts
0: Oof. Yeah, no, I, I feel you there, brother. Yeah, you know, we're in the we're in the, the McRib club. I, I uh I, I, I remember what that was like. No no laughing, no coughing, no moving fast. Uh, you know, just leave me alone, I'll just stay here in my recliner.
1: Dogs don't understand and want to jump
0: up no. in the recliner on top of me. Yeah, Alice just, my, my dog Alice just wanted to bounce from the from the floor onto me every time she saw me and uh know, yeah, it was bad, bad news. So I feel you there. So did Elmer, but for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was uh, leaving yesterday to go to a cigar festival and uh, uh, was kissing my wife goodbye. And I mean, Elmer went at me like I was made of ham.
1: (laughs) 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 Don't kiss me. The amazing thing about that story is that the cigar festival wasn't canceled because everything is canceled.
0: Yeah, you can't get a get a uh, virus through all that smoke.
3: You just can't. That, that <laughs> just can't. <laughs> Even the virus is like, nope, I'm out.
0: But I tell you what, I hadn't been there five minutes, and I had shaken two guys' hands and hugged another. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, huh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the corona. The
1: corona. Yeah. To, the XFL apparently picked a horrible first year to start. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel it so It was bad. going really well, and here in St. Louis, they were going to open up the top part of the dome. Because uh, St. Louis is actually, when you look at the number of people that show up for the live events, uh-huh. St. Louis was number one. Yeah. You know, we really embraced our battle hawks. And you said know, halfway through the season, the season just had to end. Now,
3: by side of things,
0: they
1: did commit. They are saying they will be back next
3: year. Uh, but the bad news is they're that. They're
0: paying all their people. That's yep. the thing that I thought was classy is that they're not just cutting folks loose. They're paying their people.
3: Well, unfortunately, one of the Seattle Dragons. Oops, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: I was just gonna say, not everybody's doing that.
3: No, but unfortunately, one of the guys on the Seattle Dragons was tested positive uh, for COVID nineteen, and so and and, you know he had played a game last weekend before the uh, cancellation. So you know they're
1: they're doing all the 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 necessary precautions, and it is yeah. The scary thing about the Seattle one is that one of the uh, concession guys was found to have it. Oof! It's like how much stuff did that guy touch? Yeah, yeah. But you know that's
3: why we that's why things have to shut down. And you know it is yeah. a bummer for the XFL, which has just gotten started. But I do think they will be back next year. I think there's it was clearly lucrative, especially in certain areas like St. Louis, where, like you said, Wayne. I mean they were they were selling out at thirty thousand seats to yeah, the point crazy. that the, you know that that is um, almost double what DC was selling, and DC was. A pretty I started watching
1: team. football games. I mean, yeah. That says something. It's just, you know, it's
3: kind, of like, it's kind of like trying to jump into a, a comic series on issue 250. That's how the NFL seems to me, right? Like, oh, well, there's been a whole shit ton of continuity that I don't I understand, no, and I don't understand I, these players.
0: I had no idea. That the NFL was continuity dependent. Huh.
3: Well, yeah, that... you have to know the players. You have to know the teams, the history. Like, why are the Reds? Why is there a Washington-Texas rivalry? Why is this? Why is that? Like, it feels like there's all this shit that has happened before that you don't understand. Whereas the XFL was like, you know, here's our brand new number one. You're you're hopping in on the ground floor, and you know, you can you can make your decisions. You can choose your team without being informed by you know like. All your friends who like one team, like you can you can make the choice because they're all new and they're all starting at the same time. And so that's I think that's why it was accessible to some folks. And Tim, I don't know if you hopped in on the XFL. I, it sounds like Wayne did.
2: Um, no, but it was for it wasn't because I I didn't I thought badly of it. It just wasn't something I wanted to stream. I wanted to watch on YouTube or whatever.
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like Paul that you, what you're describing, you know, you're describing the NFL as, like, you know, DC and Marvel, but the uh, the uh, XFL is more like Malibu's Ultraverse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to put it in comic terms. Yeah, to
3: put it in comic terms. Or, like, the Valiant universe.
2: Man, that's such oh. that's, that's such a weird co- conversation to hear because, like, I don't know about Aaron, but, like, that's that was a family thing since I've been, like, since I can remember
1: watching football.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yep, not here. Yeah, I I'm mean, my so my, my far, dad
0: used to yell at the TV every Sunday yep, during <laughs> my, football season.
1: My dad never cared about any sports. Right. Yeah, so yeah, sports here. was not a thing for me. Yeah, no, sports is
3: something I really kind of got into, uh, you know, over the last 10, 20 years.
1: Actually, more like the last 10 years. So so I, 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 a I, new drinking game developed this week. Oh. Uh, yeah, every time you get a email from a CEO... About the uh, COVID virus, take a shot. Because <laughs> I look through, as you look through your email, you've got okay. Now we've got Buffalo Wild Wings sent out one. Every reward program that you're a part of for yeah. any restaurant has sent something out. DoorDash sent things out. I mean, pretty much every company, like, oh, well,
3: Comicsology's response to the COVID nineteen, yep. like, what, what? <laughs> um, you know, bright side of things, we still have our our comics coming out. Uh, you know, comic shops may be closed, but so we haven't seen delays in release dates yet. Uh, you know, and thankfully for some of us who do read things digitally, there's still that option. Um, now, DC released their solicitations this week, and Woo-hoo. two big they are for June solicitations for June and two big releases were announced, including deceased Two, dead planet and the three jokers issue one finally coming out this June. Um, and so, you know, we, 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 we are fans of the deceased franchise. I think it's a little soon for a sequel that seems to take place years down the line when the characters are a bit older, but, uh, I'm yeah, still excited but it's also
1: it. kind of about a pandemic. So it might be timely.
3: Yeah, there's that. And I know I'm, I'm ready for Three Jokers to finally come out. Uh, and I'm glad that, you know, it, it seems like uh, it, it's shocking to me that they're like, you know, we wanted to wait till it was fully done, fully ready. And I'm like, it's still only three issues of content. Like, it really took <laughs> three years to do three issues of content. But yeah. I guess the proof will be in the pages. And the pages that they've released so far are are beautiful and very... Um, Alan Moore-esque in the amount of easter eggs and things like that um, you know they're, they're very much it seems like this is very much like you can read Killing Joke you can read DC Rebirth and then you can read this because it seems like this is very much a play on Killing Joke can yeah,
1: I just I, say uh, that
2: can I just say that's the dumbest name for this thing I've ever heard
3: Three Jokers? Three,
2: three Jokers yeah. Can, can how, how long did it take marketing to come up with that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well know, yeah, i follow a lot of the artists on uh, twitter that are you have talked about it and shared art and things like that and they really are going for this being something timeless something you can go back to that will stand up and i think that's good because the momentum for it is long over you know i'm gonna get it because i'm a huge joker fan But the excitement I felt when they first talked about the series has been tamped down by, you know, all this time that has passed and the delays and the delays and the delays. They lost that momentum. But hopefully by going timeless, they'll be able to rebuild it, if not at release, then over time. Yeah, I think the I think the thing that comes with
3: creating a comic book classic is that you, you don't you can't set out. To make a comic book classic. You know, Killing Joke, when when Alan Moore and Brian Bolland worked on that, uh, I don't I don't believe they set out to make something that was still going to be, you know, part of our comic book society 30 plus years later. You know, same with Watchmen. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think those are things that are, that it just happens because of the quality of the book. And I, I am, I'm hopeful on Three Jokers. You know, Jeff um, Johns doesn't write a lot of Batman. Uh, so... It, it, you know it, the fact that Jeff Johns is writing a dedicated Batman Joker book, uh, it's interesting. Uh, but dude hasn't done but anything he, else other than Shazam in in recent years either.
0: Yeah, but he did he did the button right? Uh, wouldn't, no, wouldn't Je- The Who the button was, that? was Tom King
3: and uh, okay. Joshua Williamson.
0: I don't know why I thought it was him. Okay, yeah, never the concept
3: noticed. was Jeff Johns, but the uh, okay. the actual writers of the titles wrote the story. So you know um, I don't know I'm. I'm very much. I've been looking forward to the story for a long time. I, I'm still a huge Jeff Johns fan. Uh, you know, outside oh, yeah. of three Jokers, he doesn't have anything coming out anytime soon. That at least that's been announced because mm-hmm. uh, his run on Shazam ends, I think, with issue 13. So, but I, I'm you know those are two big titles uh, that are coming out from DC, and this week, Tim hopped in on a DC title that Aaron's been reading like on the DL.
0: I <laughs> My secret I shame I, I did I, I, I saw. So, I so saw, Tim Tim what convinced you What brought you over to Young Justice
2: I have really I have really fond memories of Young Justice Like 15-20 years ago Right With the Impulse and Connor Kent And Tim Drake And those were really fun books They were uh, for the most part Well written and they always look good so uh I, I saw that on your pull list and i just wanted to know why 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 this was a thing
0: well it, it cracked me up because you sent me a note and essentially the note was you know what the hell why are you reading young justice what happened you know <laughs> so tim made me explain myself and i've been reading young justice i want to say three or four issues now Um uh, and it was at the end of an arc. And I did not care. When I picked up the first issue of Young Justice, I hard disliked it.
1: Um, and yeah. I picked the, up the first couple issues of it and disliked them. But when I think back, I realized most of what I disliked was that Crystal World story.
0: Right. Same here. I, the, the Amethyst uh, storyline just was not a uh, a win for me. But I picked it up because there was a, a uh, spoiler that... Uh, they were going to run into Morgan Travis, the Warlord, you know, from the Sword and Sorcery world of Scarterus. Um, and you know that's the that's the character that Mike Grell did so much work on that I absolutely love. Uh, and you know, you can't find a collection of Warlord those old you know seventies eighties Warlord stories anywhere. Uh, it's not available digitally. It's not available in print. So I was I was excited to see a return to. Uh, to Scarterus. so that's why I hopped in. But Tim, tell us, tell us what you thought of Young Justice number fourteen.
2: So I'm going to start with the good part. Um, I the story that I, I read um, kind of captivated what I was looking for in the teen superhero book. Um, this was a uh, get. Get the extended band together. We're gonna call it where uh, uh, Impulse is out getting people to help uh, rescue Connor Kent from uh, the war- the warlock, the warlord world, um, and in doing so, they're gonna have to uh, take on uh, what is her name, Grace, something, whatever.
0: Oh yeah, from Star Labs.
2: From Star Labs, right? Yeah, um, and. It was it was it was kind of a big fun uh, team up mashup of just about any teenager that they have in the DC universe uh, it it was a, it was a fun concept but let me tell you what um, the art is uneven because you've got two artists and the stuff that uh, Tim's drew which is like about half the pages was really good
0: mm-hmm
2: but the stuff the other guy drew was was
0: yeah, abysmal. It was abysmal. Well, you know, M- Michael Avenoming has got a very distinct style. It's very uh, cartoony. It's very almost uh, like an animated series sort of look to it. Uh, hyper-stylized. Um, Michael Avon is a longtime partner uh, Brian Michael Bendis on the Powers series, and you know uh, Bendis brings him along everywhere he goes to to do some pieces. And Bendis is a big fan of having multiple artists working on the same book. For instance, there was an earlier issue of Young Justice that was sort of a jam piece of all these different artists drawing Warlord. Some of it worked, a lot of it didn't. Um, but uh, you know, there there is the, the, the they they very much wanted to provide you two very different feels as you know, one part of the story occurs in the main DC universe and the other part occurs in Scarterus. And unfortunately I, to Tim's point, I don't believe that the Michael Avon Oming art really works. I mean, I, I do get a kick of his very stylized warlord, but that's not the warlord I came to see. I wanted to see something more like a Mike Grell. Anyway, continue Tim.
2: No, I, I, I get what what he what they're what he's trying to do. This does look like a Batman the animated series kind of uh, drawing, mm-hmm. but this is the last Batman that you watch at one o'clock after drinking all day. It's <laughs> it's terrible. I, I maybe it's because it's the first time I've ever seen this guy draw, but I it's not it's not it's unprofessional to me. It's just it's just bad. Connor Kent in in scenes it doesn't look human. <laughs> it's just terrible. Like, so he draws, the, 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 the guy to his credit, when he's drawing stuff that isn't people, like he's got these frogmen that are kind of mm-hmm. stylized. Those are pretty, those, you know, those are good. But man, you got them working on people and their faces look weird and it's just, it's just abysmal. So I, as much as I, I, I like the, the other artist, and as much as I like the actual storyline, I, I can't, I can't cosign getting this book.
0: Oh, I, I, I enjoyed this book a great deal. I, I did have problems with the Michael Avon Oming stuff, uh, but I didn't find that it was abysmal or unprofessional. I just wasn't to my taste. It wasn't what I was looking for in it, and largely. Uh, it's the reason why I have never really jumped into powers. I think I've got like the first trade paperback, and uh, it just didn't did not resonate with me. I've seen uh, Oming's work on uh, I want to say some Thor stuff, uh, some other books uh, at Marvel uh, that I've enjoyed a great deal that are not nearly so cartoony. But uh, I, I I think the John Tim's artwork works really well. Uh, I, I think Bendis has really got a uh, strong sense of who each of these many teenage characters are and has uh, really strong voices for each of them. Uh, I dug it quite a bit. And the big teaser for, uh, for next uh, month's book is what really happened to the original Young Justice. Uh, the bad guys making a deal with Tim Drake. You know, I can tell you what really happened. To young justice, so uh, I'm in for that. Yeah, I, I will say that
2: I, I would I would agree with that. Uh, the the Bendis the Bendis voices for these characters did ring true to me,
3: mm-hmm. and,
2: and they and they and they, and they were distinct, and that's and that's saying a lot considering what the ensemble you had going on was. Exactly, uh, and I and I would say that if uh, next issue I'm going to flip through, and if it is. Just Jonathan Tim's, I I would consider it, but I,
0: I did get a real kick out of uh, spoiler showing up with Tim Drake, uh-huh. and and you know they're they're having the big fight with all the you know outer dimensional you know frog people, and uh, she she turns to Tim and she goes this isn't the reunion that I thought was going to happen, and he's like hey you know could you not make me uh, you know blush in front of the frog monsters, uh, Yeah, I, I got a kick out of that. <laughs>
1: That's what I've missed is good spoiler Tim Drake stuff because I missed the relationship back in the old
0: Robin series. Mm-hmm. Well, this is you know this is all very much hailing back to uh, earlier relationships. You know, there's a there's a lot of Bart getting the band together in this book. Uh, you know, and a lot of people going, ah, you know, I don't I don't do that Young Justice crap anymore. And he's like, it's Connor. You know, we're going out for Connor. And I mean, immediately they're just dropping what they do and, you know, hop on the bus. Um, I really, I, I really like the depiction of Bart in this book. You know, I, I, I think he's got a real strong sense of impulse. Uh, and Bendis is smart around writing a speedster. In fact, if he wants to write a flash book, I am all in for that. Because one of the things that drives me crazy is is people slow down the speedsters. You know, that, you know, that they're moving. They should be able to move as fast as thought. They should be able to resolve the situation before you've even had time to think about what they might do. And Bendis leans into that. And and, and, I, and I dig that a lot. I mean, I, I was I really like his interpretation of Bart.
2: I don't know what this actual team is going to look like after, you know, in the next couple issues, because there's no way they're going to keep all these people on this thing. It's
0: I don't just, know. It's just too much. So, you, know, you got Jenny Hex there. You got the Wonder Twins and Gleek. Uh, I mean, you got you got a lot of really strong characters there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there's a, there's a lot of Deadwood. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. <laughs> it's John Wayne, so I don't I don't think you're going to get spoiler Tim Drake Young Justice. But um, yeah, like I said, I, there's a lot there's a lot of good, but there was also there was also a significant amount of bad to me. So uh, it's uneven, is what is, is what I would say. So uh, flip through it next time and see if you see if it captures you. That's what I would say.
0: Well, Paul, you've heard Tim and I talk at length about what we thought about Young Justice number fourteen. I'm really curious to hear what you thought of Jonathan Hickman's all new book for Image Comics, Decorum, number one. Well, it's funny that we're talking about uneven art. <laughs>
3: um because decorum you know it's it's the new like high profile whatever book from jonathan hickman um and what's interesting is aaron and i were talking about jonathan hickman's image work recently and uh i just happened to notice that the entire uh series of east of west is on sale of co- on comiXology $17 for all 45 issues which seems like a great deal decorum it, it, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Mike Huddleston, Hiddleston? Huddleston, Huddleston, uh, Huddleston. <laughs> I I struggled with this book, I because I will tell you the the artwork is so hyper stylized in a way that some of it looks painted and some of it literally looks like a sketchbook. Um, like 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 torn out of a sketchbook, no detail. It, it they look like incomplete pages but you can but they're not incomplete pages because one panel will look absolutely gorgeous and the rest of the page will look like like something like it like incomplete. Um I after reading the first half of the book, I almost said fuck it. I don't want to read the rest of this. Like this is so this is this is the Jonathan this is the type of Jonathan Hickman I hate. And then it got to the second half of the book where it, you know, you're establishing it, the the first half is this weird world building thing and the second half of the book drills down to a very specific storyline about a courier delivering a package at the same time um you know that, that that's but it, it plays into this larger uh scenario where an assassin is there at the same time and it's you know the book is advertised as the world's most polite assassin and so you know it, and it turns into just this this cluster of you know violence, you know, crime deal gone wrong. And I really genuinely enjoyed that half of the book, save for some of the art choices. So I, 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 I'm really torn on this book. Um, I'm I'm very curious to hear what you thought, Aaron.
0: Well, first, let me say, I disagree with you on the subject of the art. I think that the Huddleston art is uh, bold and, uh, I think that it is highly imaginative. I love how uh, his use of color on some pages to tell the story. I love his use of just uh, there there are pages where it's primarily monochromatic black and white, but mm-hmm. he will color a panel. Um, I think that that a lot of those choices are really bold and it sh- it demonstrates to me an artist who is, as engaged, if not more so, in visually telling the story than the writer is. Um, I, I was fascinated by the choices he made, huh. and you know, there are there are there are things that I just zoomed in on. I was like, oh my god, that's great. Um, you know, the opening sequence where you know you think that it is a a, a ship of conquistadors mm-hmm. coming to you know uh, explore the new world, and. You know, it turns out to be what looks like, you know, a robot conquistador um, with all these aliens and super science stuff suddenly, you know, emerging around it. I just I, I I was fascinated and drawn in by the art from the jump. So let me tell you, I think the art was an A triple huh. plus. I could not score the art more, more highly. But I got to tell you, Paul. When you said that about, you know, midway through that you were ready to just quit the book, that's where I wound up as well. Because I think I've got me some big time Jonathan Hickman fatigue. Not because I think that he is a bad storyteller, but he has branded his type of storytelling visually. You know, he is a graphics designer. That's his mm-hmm. that's his background. So he designs a lot of the templates of his book. And the problem is, is that they all look the same. Uh, I, am really, you know, from, from the, the last of his Marvel work, uh, to a lot of his image work to this, you know, he frames these things the same way. And I got to tell you, it is really hard for me. And I don't know if other comic readers have the same problem. This was not the first book I read this week. So I read three very traditional comic books, prior to coming to this book. And so I am in full on comic book mode and I get to an opening page with four paragraphs of, of just text. And I'm like, God damn it. Because when <laughs> you are, in, for me, when I am in graphic storytelling mode, when I am, when I am reading a graphic novel, a traditional graphic novel that is you know told to me visually and I get to a wall of text, I suddenly that, that's like throwing on the brakes to me, uh-huh. you know, and I, I have I have difficulty shifting out of that. And, you know, I, I, I it took me two days to come back to this book after I hit that first page. That's not a good sign, no. <laughs> you know, um, and that you know, it's the it's the solar imperial preserves and it's its backstory. You know, it's like reading the uh, the uh, scrolling text in Star Wars, right? Star Wars had to train us to do that. And I feel like Jonathan Hickman's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to train us to reading this block text prior to each different chapter in his book because each different chapter has one of these. Mm-hmm. And so while you've got this visually stunning artwork by Huddleston, I mean that the page Paul, where uh, the priest from the church takes the confession of the guy and just, Vivisects his head. Yeah, is amazing. It is gruesome. <laughs> it's terrible. But the the way he draws that is fucking amazing. Um, but then you know, a couple of pages later, you wind up with more weird Jonathan Hickman. You know, graphic design. He's gonna he's gonna show you you know where the Sagittarian Hive is and the Norma Coalition and Orion Cygnus League, the Union, yada yada yada. Like I'm reading a goddamn setting book for uh, a role-playing game, yeah. which is cool. If I if I've got the Jonathan Hickman RPG, that's great. It's also I cool it's if I
3: care, story. you know. If you if it's necessary for the story, and none of it is the right part of it. It's all it's it's all like in te- you know. This artificial world building that really, you know, in Star Wars, we've all seen mm-hmm. Star Wars. We've all seen Star Trek. You know, at no point does it stop. And scroll text across the screen, or do you have to buy, you know, a companion guide to understand what planet they're <laughs> on, or what wharf, you know, what what Klingon wharf, you know, was, or you know, the blah yeah. blah blah. None of because that should all be done naturally through the story, and I think that's part of my struggle with Hickman lately is none of it's done naturally through story anymore. You know, in the House of X, the Dawn of X, you know, it it has, you know, he has to outline everything for you in vivid detail. And I I will say as much as I love Jonathan Hickman thinking back, those are not things that he used as excessively in his Avengers run. And I think that's why I enjoyed his Avengers and infinity run, but he has definitely leaned into that element of his uh, storytelling.
0: Well, you know, if you listen back to where you and I were talking about Dawn of X and house of X or Dawn of 10 or house of 10, whatever, um, When you and I were talking about that, I was really jamming on the stylization, you know, and on the chapter breaks. I am not here because it is like he turned it up to 11. You know, we get a page on cryopods plus Luxor financing. You know, it's always important to understand the financing aspects of your cryopods. Uh, You get a a page on plague. You get a page on her noodles for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm like. Jesus Christ, and that's where it lost me. I mean, I I eventually just started flipping pages to look at the art because, again, the I find the Huddleston art just simply amazing.
3: I, I don't know uh, if I, I would miss anything a, if I had just read the comic portion to this book.
0: I don't well, feel like that's I would. Kind of what I I kind of felt like maybe that's what I should do, but I always have this fear that I'm you know I'm, that you know I'm a FOMO right fear of missing out. I, I, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something important and Paul Paul's going to say, well, if you'd read the, the uh, chapter branch, you'd know that <laughs> the Luxor financing is and very important to the cryopods and even the noodle eating. When did Paul become Nicolas Cage? Right. <laughs> when did Paul not become Nicolas Cage is really the question.
3: <laughs> it's ice off. So um, it was exhausting. Um, I, 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 I will pick up Decorum Issue 2 when it's on sale.
0: I will not. Well, I, I should say, I, I will not pick up Decorum Issue 2 when it comes out as a new release. I will pick it up when it's collected. Oh, I should clarify. Uh, you
3: know, I, when I meant on sale, I meant like 99 cents. I didn't mean, I meant yeah. like on an actual sale, not like release yeah. date. I I,
0: uh, I, I I think that this is probably going to be a book I enjoy rather a lot. I think that I've got to come into it knowing that there's going to be a lot of text. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it's, you know, I, I, and it's going to be Hickman at 11. Uh, it's... Uh, it, it's just gonna. I just have to go into it with that notion. Uh, I can't read it on the same day that I've read Thor, Young Justice, Superman. Right? Mm. Um, you got to go into it knowing that you're reading something kind of eclectic.
2: So decorum's kind of like the, the the Paul. It's the smarmy. I know more than you. I'm gonna talk a lot, and I'm the smartest exactly.
0: podcaster in the room. Ex- yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Lots yeah, Lots of exposition. Lots of telling yep. you the news. Yep. Well, but here finally, so just
0: like fuck you, Paul. Just like, fuck you, Paul. Fuck you, decorum. That's... <laughs> and that's
3: extreme. It's just... <laughs> not, not on the first part, but on the decorum part. <laughs> well, I, and now I'm very... I want to hear what Tim has to say about um, the... Mar- we're hitting all. We're hitting DC. We're hitting Image. And now we're hitting Marvel. Because um, Tim didn't like Thor issue number one. But has picked up Thor in issue number four, where we have Thor versus Sif. Um, you know, as we left issue three, Sif has come down from Asgard. Um, you know, she is the new uh, all-seeing. I don't remember the character's name. Heimdall. Heimdall. Yeah, she's the new Heimdall, um, and you know she sees that Thor has kicked the shit out of Beta Ray Bill, so she comes down to to stop the battle. And uh, you know, and Tim picked up this issue, and I'm and now of all issues for Tim to pick up. I, I'm very curious what your thoughts on this issue were, Tim.
2: I really wish someone else would have went first. <laughs> <laughs> no, when it
3: comes to Thor, we've always got to start know, with you. I know, especially after what I said about issue one.
2: So, like, Sif and Thor fight the same way like a, a couple twelve year olds fight. They stand off and be like, you want to go? I don't know, do you want to go? Are we going to go? Is this a thing? It really wasn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> was the, the, the cover is Sif Thor throwing down. And I and that's what brought me to this book. I almost bought the last issue with Beta Ray Bill. Because I wanted to see that. And it's probably what I should have done. That um,
1: one was a throwdown.
2: Yeah, this this was not. Um <laughs> Uh, so, here's what I'll say. Um, I, I don't, I don't like the intergalactic stories. I said that with the, the first ep, the issue. And what, what I didn't like about Thor 1 wasn't the writing. Because I feel like, uh, Donny Cates here, uh, he, he's a, he's a worthy writer, of what i would consider uh you know the the thor kind of stories i like where it looks it's it it very much reads like you're reading it out of a out of a storybook at times um i i i enjoy that quite a bit it it's it's basically this the story not the storyteller that i was disliking um there are there are things to love in this book (laughs) um the fact that uh, Sif uses her Rainbow Bridge powers to basically uh, put Thor in time out.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that she's weaponized the Bifrost. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. smart. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there, I, I don't know if I want to ruin it, but there's a scene with Loki in this book that was oh yeah, just stand-up amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I loved every bit of that. And it nothing's changed. Every time Galactus shows up, I want I want somebody to punch him in his big stupid face. And well, I think
0: you know, that's what y- he wants you, us to do. I think that's well, what he's and, trying to get to. And Thor has done that in almost every issue of this series. Which is yeah, my he problem. He has got to be the kneecaps. Yeah. He's gotta be the worst herald ever. <laughs> I mean when his uh, you know ninety day review comes up, I don't think his contract gets picked up.
3: <laughs> I'm just saying. But Aaron, uh, but something you said I that's my only problem with this book, with issue four of this book, is that mm-hmm. it's the same as issue one, and the same as issue two, and the same as issue three. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've read four issues of Thor, like getting pissed off at Galactus, you know, arguing, maybe punching something, and then Galactus saying, "You know what? Fuck you. Do it anyway." And Thor's like, "Okay." I, I that's kind of I. But it seems like issue five will be something else. But I just feel like this is a bit rinse and repeat for me. Not in the, I, I. I still am enjoying the book. I still think the art's gorgeous. I just feel like okay. Well, this seems to keep happening. Like at what point does Galactus say, "You know what? Fuck you, Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> you're my new herald. You know, or I'm going to take yes. away your your you know your um your ability to gorgeous. think and you're just you know like at yeah. what point, you know?
1: But anyway, yeah, go I ahead. Completely- I completely agree with Paul on that point. It is getting to be the same story. My big highlight, though, was Sif. I oh, love yeah. the character and I love how she's portrayed here. She yeah. shows up, she stands between Thor and Bill, ready to stand there, but she even says, I'm not going to fight you. She is just such a strong character by word and by presence that, you know, she can make Thor back down. And she's one of the only people that can make him back down, not because of a physical threat, but just because of who she is. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that there wasn't the big fight. I expected it to go into a big fight and I liked this so much better. Just the sheer personality of her standing there saying, no, no, I understand what you're doing here and it's not going to happen. I'm taking him back and we're not going to fight. I'm just telling you how, what's
0: going to happen. I have always found Sif to be kind of a boring character, you know, cause she, does, you know, as, as the, as guardian gods go, she just doesn't have much of a role, but moving her into the role of guardian of the Bifrost bridge, you know, since Heimdall died, t- taking on the mantle of her brother, uh, really gives her a, a sense of purpose and a voice, you know, other than just being the girl who really likes Thor. Um, what I've
1: always liked is she's always seemed to be the reasonable one. Yeah, the conscience, We're, exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that was what was really portrayed in this issue. One of the reasons I loved it that interaction so much.
2: Yeah, no, the, her, her the, the the voice that Sif has in this book is is really is really good. It is exactly that the conscience of, of Asgard. Yeah, and that that was enjoyed. There's a lot to like about this book. I, I feel like Donny Cates is trying to get me to the point where I'm, I'm hate-buying this book until Thor finally punches Galactus in his big face for the last time. And so I think that's what it's building up to, is Thor's trying to use Galactus to beat this Black Winter thing, and Galactus is trying to use Thor to beat this Black Winter thing. And, you know, I don't think it's going to go real long before, you know, one of them's going to win. And maybe that's what I need. <laughs> I need that yeah. to, to be a thing. And I think that's what he's trying to. I think that's what he's trying to show is that that is going to be a thing. That this this relationship is so short term that it's going to be a blip on the radar. So maybe I think what I I think what I might have to do is I might have to just wait until the arc's over. Not necessarily because I dislike the art cuz i like the art not that i dislike the writing it's just the, it's just the specific story he's telling I, i'm not i'm not a fan of but i can i can totally understand
0: why you guys like the book
3: yeah but yeah, tim you you book. hit the the nail on the head that the scene with loki i'm very curious to see
0: how that plays out well, and we know that there's some stuff just from previous issues going on with the hammer, right? You know, mm-hmm. Thor is having some. It's not nearly as friendly a weapon for him or a tool for him as it has been previously. And you know, I, I wonder if that's not pinging off some of the hammer's other aspects that we saw w- with uh, uh, Jane Foster, Thor, because the hammer talked to her you know, and answered to her.
1: Yeah. I loved Bill's conversation with him about it of, uh, is the hammer getting heavier? And Thor, you know, you see that it is for him.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. Shit's going on there. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, what happened in, uh, in the land of the frost giants, it's, it's, I, 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 I'm eager to see what's going on there. Donnie Cates is really, telling uh, an interesting story with thor right now so I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes
3: well you know we we've we've harped on long enough on this week's new releases it's finally time to return to crossover march madness i feel like aaron final can say four! next week oh no yeah. wait final four battle yeah no it's not the final four things like technically, Final Four is next week, right?
2: This is to no. get to the Final Four.
3: This is to get to the Final Four. Yeah, exactly.
2: Okay, okay. Well, you can't see your March Madness.
3: There is no NCAA March Madness this year, but you can still get some March Madness here on Funny Books. And we've got four battles this week. You know, Listen to last week's episode to see where we started. We started with 16. Now we're down to eight teams. And <laughs> as a reminder, what these are, are crossovers that we would like to read and it's the battle of the crossovers marvel versus dc crossovers that we would like to read so aaron do you want to kick us off on our first
0: one so our first one you know it it, it's it's a pretty big deal it is thanos versus dark side versus the opposing team up or crossover of dark uh, dr strange versus dr fate and, uh, I gotta tell you, I, I want to see both of these, but I think the one I want to see more is Thanos versus Darkseid. And, you know, as we talked about last week, I kind of have it in my head that, you know, all of these crossovers, these matchups, these team ups, if you will, uh, happen because of something that Thanos and Darkseid are both doing. And, uh, you know, okay. Thanos is seeking the anti-life equation from, uh, from uh, Dark Side and Dark Side seeking the Infinity Stones. And, you know, they, they have to deploy their own universes, the Marvel universes versus the, the DC universes. And uh, that's how all of this com- comes to shape. Um, whereas I really like the idea of a Doctor Strange, Doctor Fate, you know, matchup. Uh, I'd love to see both of those going head to head, but I think that the uh, Thanos Dark Side's got more meat to it. So I'm going to go with Thanos v Dark Side.
3: I think I got to agree with you there. Um, you know, to to your point, I think Thanos versus Dark Side is the the impetus for all these other crossovers even being possible, and because of that, uh, you know, I and you know, I, I think that makes it too low hanging fruit for maybe a full win. Uh, but at least compared with Doctor Strange versus Doctor Fate, I feel like Thanos versus Darkseid has a lot more of a um, there's a lot more story that can come from that. The new gods, you know, versus the the Marvel celestial type characters, um, you know, could, it, it, there's so much that can come from Thanos versus Darkseid, especially given, uh, you know, Thanos's role in the history of the Marvel Universe and and how he has the people that can gather around him, you know, his, his the Black Order, you know, Thanos' Black Order. Oh, yeah. Versus Darkseid's minions, you know. Uh, you mm-hmm. can have your, um, you know, Ebony Maw, you know, against, uh, you know, Steppenwolf and, and characters like that. I think there's a lot of meat there on the bone. So I'm Thanos versus Darkseid. Yeah. Tim?
2: Well, I, I would, I, I would agree. Here's what I would say. I think Doctor Strange versus Doctor Fate is a cool four-part miniseries kind of thing. I think Thanos Darkseid is your full all-year 12-issue throwdown. would agree. And, and I I think it's there's, there's just... Aaron's right. There's more meat on, on, on that story versus the other one. So that's why I would agree with you
1: guys. Yeah, this is going to be unanimous because uh, Thanos versus Darkseid is the... It is the... Big event with all of these other, you know, aspects as part of it. Versus Doctor Strange versus Doctor Fate. Doctor Fate is kind of boring how he's usually written. You know, he okay. tends to be kind of a bland character for being the big magical character. Some writers have done some really cool things with it, but for the most part, the more entertaining story here is going to be Thanos versus Dark
0: well, and I, I think that, you know, I think this is probably true for for each one of these matchups, but you got to kind of sort of fantasize on who the writer, who the artist is going to be. And, you know, for Thanos v. Darkseid, I'm thinking Jim Starlin on the writing, Ra- Ron Lim on the art, and yes. I just don't think there's any beating that, no. you know, whereas uh, Dr. Strange v. Dr. Fate, I'm thinking Mark Wade, you know, on the writing, because I think he writes both of those characters really well. Uh... I'm thinking, you know, the the artist. Uh, I I think you could go a couple of different ways, but uh, I think no matter who you put there, uh, Ron Lim, Jim Starlin is gonna is gonna take it. Yeah, yeah. and in
2: my head, I made I made it Lady Fate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
2: I, I don't know if that's the right call, but in my head, I'm, I'm fine, fine with that. I I yeah, that's what
1: I want. <laughs> it makes it more interesting.
2: Yeah, I, I want to see Doctor Strange hitting on her. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Doctor Strange being a, being a telenovela friggin' smarty <laughs> Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
3: Telenovela. <laughs> That's great. I love it. All right. So we have a winner in our first battle, Doctor St- or Thanos versus Darkseid. Our next twofer is Thor versus Shazam or Justice League Dark versus Midnight Suns. And I'll I'll go first on this one. I feel you know I, you know again this is less about for me this is about what which one of these will get more story that I will find interesting and you know for me it, it it's tough because of the current state of the Midnight Sons of Marvel. But if I could choose any state of the Midnight Suns...
0: You can pick your era. You
3: I would think the 90s era. era Midnight Suns versus the modern Justice League Dark, I would be all about reading that because of the, the all the characters and all the stories that can come out of those. So that's where my vote falls. Justice League Dark versus the Midnight Suns.
2: No, see, for me, uh, I Justice League Dark, I, I could take or leave. I, that's that's kind of where I am, the, the only part of Justice League Dark that I really love is Swamp Thing, when he shows up. Um, but, like, how can you say no to, like, a a, a, a Jeff Johns uh, Thor Shazam book? Like, I don't think you can. Uh, I, at uh, we, we said it last week, it, a lot of it would be uh, Shazam in, in Asgard, Billy Batson in Asgard. I, I see him hanging out with the War- Shazam hanging out with the Warriors 3 and getting drunk. Like, uh, <laughs> punching frost giants with thor I, I i think i think paul has a point that there might be more there might be more story there might be more of a of a plot to a Justice league dark midnight sun's book you could write a really good uh black heart sort of uh story with that but i think this i think the one i would buy and the one i would love more would be thor versus isam and that's the one well,
0: like i Well and i want I want to edit your uh, your scene with uh, you know uh, Billy Batson Shazam you know they're in the Hall of Heroes you know they're in Valhalla. He's not getting drunk with them. He's not drinking beer. He is introducing them to milk and Oreos. Oh That's yeah, what better, better. Uh-huh. You know, better, and, you better. know, and the yeah, and 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 the heroes of Valhalla are like demanding. They're Oreos, you know, that, that they're going to have to to create some sort of trade relationship with Midgard to to import a massive amount of ongoing Oreos because that is the new thing in Asgard. And, yeah, I'm right there with you, Tim. It's Thor v. Yeah. Shazam. The,
2: the conversation would very, very much be like when Asgard was p- parked in fucking Nebraska.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh-huh. Bring yeah. me
2: thine Oreos.
1: Yeah, well, and Tim... To- <laughs> You just pointed something out there. For me, it this isn't a Jeff Johns book. I want Straczynski on it.
0: Oh yeah, mm. I, I'd be yeah. okay with that yeah. too. And, and I, call good call.
1: Both of both of you have sold me on aspects of your ideas. Like I like the the Midnight Suns. If we had the '90s Midnight Suns, but like Tim, I don't care about Justice League Dark. I would love to see Constantine meet Johnny Blaze with the Hellfire Shotgun. But Thor versus Shazam. When you take away the the two of them as the big fight and you get into the character moments, I want to see Billy meet Beta Ray Bill and be like, "Why is that horse talking?" Right. I want to see him awkward because <laughs> Sif is so beautiful, and I want to see like like you were describing that uh, the Hall of Heroes and him introducing him to milk and Oreos. This just sounds like a fun book. Yeah, and I it's, think Straczynski it's, it's- for me did the. I loved his run on Thor. I want to see him bring that Thor and bring Shazam in.
0: It's Asgard through the eyes of a child. I think that is is the theme of Thor versus Shazam. And I'm gonna I'm gonna add I'm add on to your your JMS on the writing, Olivier Olivier Copiel on the, on the art.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Hey, can't can't you just see like like Shazam going, "Were you a frog once?" And Thor being like, "We don't talk."
0: well and maybe we get a uh, a frog shazam right you know you 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 got you gotta you gotta throw some of the things on there uh you know and maybe you get a thor family right you know oh
1: how Uh, easy would billy be to manipulate by loki mm -hmm.
0: yeah no i dig it or one of
2: of the shazam kids becomes a thorite or something oh yeah yeah no we're we're. Yep. Yeah,
0: no, this is this is all great stuff.
3: <laughs> all right, so we have a winner: Thor versus Shazam, I, and you know the way you guys describe it, I I'd read the hell out of that. So
2: <laughs> I, I don't get my yeah,
3: Midnight Suns. And, and book. honestly,
2: Paul, I would I would read Justly Dark Midnight Suns. I think that would be an interesting book too. I think a lot of these ideas would be things that we would want to see. That's why they were on the list. But... Yeah.
0: Well, well except for the one next winner. one. In particular, I, in particular, I think the book that Tim really wants to see. Is Jaro versus Spider Ham? Uh, that it, I mean, he it, he is all in. Take all his money right now.
2: You know, in every in every March Madness tournament, there's that one team that twelve seed from like middle <laughs> middle central Indiana that happens to get two wins in a row, and we're all like, "Where's this place from? What is ICUPOI? We don't know. I don't know what this is. I still don't uh-huh. know what a Jaro is." I can't, I know what Deadpool and Harley Quinn is, so ergo they get my vote. <laughs> well,
0: I, because I can't, I can stand neither Deadpool nor Harley Quinn. Uh, Jarro uh, versus Spider Ham gets mine. Plus, I love Jaro, and I love Spider Ham, and I think there has to be a certain amount of silly ridiculousness in the uh, crossovers. So uh, I I am down for Jaro v Spider Ham. You know, yep, I'm gonna back
1: up Aaron on this one. There needs shit. to be the one pointless crossover that doesn't really add anything to the story other than the comedy. And that could oh. be either of these, but Jaro versus Spider Ham just
0: And you know, with with, with little pop ups of guest appearances throughout their uh, their six issue miniseries. Six right? issues, um, first of <laughs> all. <laughs> uh, Cap- well, like Cap- Captain Cap- Carrot? Captain, Captain Carrot, yeah, Captain yeah, Carrot yeah. and Howard yeah. the Duck. Yeah, oh, you gotta, you gotta have some, some guest appearances. So uh, Paul, we're gonna have to, Paul we're gonna have to toss boy. the
3: die. We're gonna have to toss oh, the die yeah. because I, I, I gotta go with Deadpool versus Harley Quinn on this one. Um, I think that's a story yeah. I'd rather read. As much as I love Jaro, as much as I love Spider Ham,
0: I, I gotta go with Deadpool Harley Quinn. All right, I've got that. I got the twenty cider. Odds is uh, Jaro versus Spider Ham. Evens is Deadpool Harley Quinn. It's a twenty cider in my dice cup. Evans, god dang it. <laughs> the, 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 the die has not favored me once. Not once. Well, well I, I will
3: say, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that next week it's getting knocked out anyway. So. Yeah, it would, it would get the elbow drop next week. <laughs>
0: yeah. well You don't know. <laughs> well,
3: because I think I know how the next one's going to go. Our final battle of the day is Lex Luthor versus Doctor Doom or the Invaders versus the Freedom Fighters. And uh, who hasn't started yet? I, I think, uh, Tim, you want to kick
1: us off on this one? Uh,
2: yeah, I, I, I can. I think Wayne was the one that hasn't started. Oh, okay. Well, so, then Wayne. Let's start, with, let's start with Wayne.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, as much as I want to see the World War II crossover between these, and I want to see Captain America meet Uncle Sam, the story that has the most potential here is the Lex Luthor versus Doctor Doom. The other one would be a fun... You know, like action adventure story. but Lux versus Dr. Doom is the cerebral two like ultimate string pulling manipulators that have power themselves against each other. And, and, and that
0: is kind of kind of I'm sorry, don't you kind of sense that if you were framing up this entire event, right? Uh, That Lex Luthor and Dr. Doom are responding to what the hell's going on with Darkseid and Thanos, and they're responding at an Earth level. And then, you know, we've got to marshal our own forces to address what the hell these cosmic entities are doing. Oh, I I have
1: I take it another direction of I think one of them is really responsible for the whole thing and set the two more powerful beings at each other's throat with the intention of stealing the power of whichever one survives. That nice. they are the real string pullers behind it.
0: That's a nice take, Wayne. I like that. Oh, well, I'm with Wayne. I'm in for Lex Luthor versus Doctor Doom. Same here. I like the idea of Invaders versus Freedom Fighters. I think there's a lot, lot of story to tell there. But uh, I, I do think that uh, Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom is is really the one to go.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I, I, those are two of my favorite villains of all time, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the right. You need a very intelligent, smart writer to write the level of manipulation and right. backstabbing and, and 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 intelligence of these characters. And I don't know who that is yet. Um, I think the current writer of Doctor Doom is really good, um, but I I, I got to think about that one. So for next week, I'll, I'll, I'll ponder who who I would love to write that book. Well, this is the book I think I put Jeff Johns on. You think? I don't know. Like this seems like a Bendisie book, but
0: i gotta think about it i don't know i don't i don't want his chatty dr doom not fair, fair it would be it
2: would be bendish with heart edits probably and, yeah. and
0: i don't want to watch uh you know dr doom eat a sandwich so uh through <laughs> yeah. his
2: little slit in his mouth yeah we'll clean sweep it
0: yeah uh,
1: I,
2: it's it's just too good a too good a mashup not to
1: yeah Very the nice. ultimate writer for this if we hadn't gotten a little bit burnt out on him would be hickman
3: yeah of this whole crossover really um Brian Azarello might be a good option. I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Mm. I'm still thinking. Mm.
2: Yeah, Paul. Mm. No, that's definitely your assignment for next yeah. week because I, I need to know who writes that book.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think we should do that with all the uh, the final four matchups. I agree. Who? Okay. The right right writer and artist team.
3: I think we've already so, got it with our Thor Shazam, but I think we just have, we need some time to figure out some of these others.
0: Well, yeah. and Thanos Thanos be dark side. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we got we got to round this out, but next week crossover march madness continues with the final four it's super exciting you know you can't get that excitement on your uh, on your espn right now unless you're watching some sports repeats but we're bringing you the all new all fresh crossover march madness super exciting come back right here next week iomgeek.com but before we we close out the show paul yes sir what's coming out next week well next week in
3: comic shops we've got a a, a nice nice like a Big week in comics, um, if you're reading some of these titles. So Batman, issue 91, comes out from James Tidion IV, Raphael Albuquerque, and Jorge Jimenez, uh, continuing the story of Batman and Harley Quinn versus Joker and Punchline, um, You know, leading up to the big Batman 100 uh, book that's coming out. So looking forward to that. We also have Deceased, the Unkillables, issue 2, from Tom, Tom Taylor and Carl Mostert. New issues of Justice League justice league hell arisen as well uh you know continuing lex Luthor versus the batman who laughs from marvel comics we have the collection of king thor from jason aaron Ro- russell dotterman mike del mundo and esad Ribic. uh you know this was jason aaron's concluding four issue arc on thor um you know it's finally collected if you didn't pick it up good on you because it's only 6.99 for all four issues instead of four dollars per issue Um, and, uh, we have a new issue from image comics of undiscovered country issue five.
0: Super exciting. Well, we want to know what you thought about crossover March madness. We want to know what you thought about the week's books. Uh, give us your predictions. Give us a call at nine, seven, two, seven, six, three, five, nine, zero, three. That number, once again, nine, seven, two, seven, six, three, five, nine, zero, three. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise.
3: Also, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook,
0: or Twitter at IOMGeek. All right, guys. Well, I'm excited about next week. Uh, though, i got to say, uh, I have enjoyed the last couple of weeks of very few comics. I've gotten to get caught up on some reading. So, uh, damn it. <laughs> we will talk to you guys next week. Bye, Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.